Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hat smiley face. Was I supposed to say that? Yeah. Or was I supposed to act that out? Hello and welcome. You've made it to the China shop. Step right in. The doors are wide open. We've got a special interview episode today. We've got uh, Ed with us from Dechained, dechained.com. And as always, we're joined by my esteemed senior ghost handler, Kyle Hedman. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I feel like you recycled that one, though. Damn it. I don't have the script in front of me. I was just reaching. Uh, uh, yeah, work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get you a new job. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. Uh, and uh, we are also, as, as I mentioned before, uh, joined by Ed from D-Chain. How are you doing today, Ed? I'm doing well. I uh, appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to chat with you two. And, and this is the first time we've talked, so I can recycle my jokes. They're new to you. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, well, welcome to the China shop. Uh, we're here smashing our way around, so uh, uh, feel free to let loose, relax. This is an R-rated show, so say whatever you like, because uh, Kyle and I sure as shit do. Whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> love it. No better way to end the day. Right? <laughs> you want to curse at the, the heat? Go for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> curse this heat. The devil farted thick today. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's from American Dad. Uh, oh, okay. Ed, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started in uh, cryptocurrencies? Yeah, so uh, I've been involved in cryptocurrency for about a decade, but uh, started the education platform about a year ago. However, the, the idea came about because I lost my job. So... <laughs> Start there. <laughs> you lose your job and you're on your second to last night on your honeymoon. Turn Ooh. over and explain that to your, your then wife. Uh, she signed the contract. <laughs> she couldn't leave. And we're on the same flight from Thailand. So she was stuck. Sounds like it was the best time for that to happen. <laughs> exactly. I, it was four in the morning when I found out. And I rolled over and I was like, Bloody Mary time. <laughs> and there's right. nothing that I think it saw from 6,000 miles away. So, uh, yeah. yeah, but, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I got involved initially, you know, as an investor for you know, my own purposes about 10 years ago. Uh, at the time, you know, the, the world was a very different place in crypto. Uh, there was no Coinbase. There was no, you know, Gemini. There actually was no way to actually fund any of these marketplaces with your bank. Uh, I had to go to a CVS. I remember this like it was yesterday. A CVS, go to a MoneyGram, ask to move money to someone in the Philippines, and that person would then 
credit my account at Mt. Gox, which was this marketplace based in Japan, in order for me to buy Bitcoin. Oh, wow. Which at that time was about $10. That sounds like a Nigerian prince scam. (laughs) (laughs) That's hard to to even take part of that. You know what? I I tell people today, and they just cringe. They're like, I I can't imagine even fathoming doing this. But uh, yeah, I... How I got started, I uh, I was at the, that same company that I lost my job uh, six years later, five years later, and a couple of engineers much smarter than me, I was out in Silicon Valley, were talking about this thing called Bitcoin and a way that you could send payments anonymously. Now, in hindsight, I ask, what were you buying anonymously in 2011? <laughs> uh, either you were buying drugs or you were hiring assassins. Right. There were two <laughs> options. Um, <laughs> But for me, you know, it, it sort of, I was very interested. I was a bit delusioned also that was coming out of the, the housing bubble. And, you know, I, I wanted to get involved in something that, you know, was a bit different. That was a little bit digital first because we never really in sort of the internet world, never really built up a financial system that actually was created for the internet. We had this system that was legacy old bankers in suits, and ultimately that sort of operated up until this day. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, you know, what sort of kicked me in the ass a little bit was, again, you know, at that time I was working for uh, a large tech company and their CEO, uh, Tim Cook, was you know, on Charlie Rose and talked about they were making some big moves into privacy and shutting down uh, anything and everything that related to data. A little bit of a legacy from the uh, thermonuclear war that uh, I think Steve Jobs you know, gave over to him. And uh, me being sort of in this division that was built around you know, ad-supported platforms. At the time, I had just launched Apple Music, uh, which was called iTunes Radio at the time. I knew pretty quickly that the internet world was going to have to change uh, because there was a reckoning. And this was you know, 10... 11 months before Cambridge Analytica. So uh, I had a good inclination. I started building out the framework for, you know, what I wanted to do uh, in terms of in the blockchain space. Uh, I knew I wanted to do something from an education standpoint because I I had a lot of people around me who had no idea that this was going on. But I knew that ultimately it would be, you know, extremely impactful and revolutionary sort of that feeling i had you know when i initially joined apple and they were building out the app store um so i built this out it took a few years fortunately uh you know i had an opportunity to work from home during covid and uh through caution to the wind <laughs> so you right on you worked for apple back in the the days of innovation then how do you how do you think their innovation compares now to when you used to work with them uh, I mean, it's a bank. Yeah, that's it's it's as innovative as J.P. Morgan. Uh, mm. I mean, it's it's sort of Good a scenario. Yeah, sort of a scenario of you innovate just by buying more companies. And I, uh-huh. I saw the stat: they buy a company every three to four weeks. You know, it's again, it's a uh, it's a company that served me well, but uh, I would I would like to see a little bit more out of them. I've kind of felt the same way too. I mean, they came out with the iPhone. What was that about ten years ago? 
just mm-hmm. amazing, blew everything out of the water. And then now, fast forward to where we're at today, and like the most innovative thing they can do is make a few more megapixels in their camera. Yeah, it's you could send animated emojis. Like that's that's what you got. I'm like, come on, guys. Like they're the tricorders that everybody really wants to see. What's the uh, the saying is uh, in in twenty twenty no in in two thousand we were promised flying cars and got one hundred and forty characters. Uh, right. Sort of that kind of situation where it's <laughs> yeah. pretty underwhelming. Um, and ultimately, though, you know, this is where for me, again, uh, I not only you know drunk the Kool Aid, I've created it moonshine fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> have a heaping sample yourself. Um, this is where I, I think. You know, blockchain really comes in, especially you know in, in today's age where you know, we look at the internet model, at least you know in, in the Western world. And I say that because the internet that we have here is very different than in China and in the Middle East, and mm. it's controlled by you know a, a select few companies that that really store, hoard, and profit on all of that traffic, all of that data. The problem is mm. is that. As we become more connected, we create more data, and ultimately, we start to give a lot of information that could really be harmful to us. You, and again, not political, but you look at you know countries like China, where you are granted access to certain public services based on you know merit, mm-hmm. and, and ultimately your track record. Have you been a good citizen? That is thing that you could track if you really wanted to, and. The solution, though, is how do we continue to innovate without having to require these central repositories from controlling and collecting all that info? And that's where the idea of you know, this distributed network comes in. And, and ultimately, the, the way that I, I frame it really easy you know, for people who you know, come to our site, because we are not a tech club. We are not, you know, we are not built for you know, that person who's been in the tech industry for 10, 15 years. We're not mm. built for Wall Street people. I grew up in the Bronx. Uh, I have family, friends, firemen, nurses, teachers. I built this platform for them. And the way that I explain it is this is a new evolution of the internet that we know today that you don't have to know anything about when it comes to how it works. Here's what you need to know. There are companies that are deciding to use this technology in new ways to create new products and services that would not be possible or could not exist in any previous technology. Look at Amazon. When Bezos went from Wall Street and created this new online bookstore, he said it would be impossible to store three, bil- three million books in one mm-hmm. central location, but I could do it online. Right. And ultimately, it, it disrupts and creates new industries. And that's ultimately what the opportunity here is, you know, in the crypto space, which is you are identifying companies and buying shares of those companies rather than through the NASDAQ, you buy it directly from them. And that's it. Okay. That's an interesting way to put it. That makes a lot more sense. Actually. I'm not telling you some meme, meme coin bullshit. (laughs) We're going to get into that later. Don't don't worry. (laughs) I think you know where I stand on it. Just right off the bat. Yeah, we could tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's funny that you uh, that you when you were talking about Bitcoin in 2012, I had a friend showing me and plugging Bitcoin in like 2009, 2010, 
and it was through the dark web and it was like on the place where you get hitman and drugs and whatever it was. And and, and that's what kept me from taking part in it was I didn't want to go through all the steps to get on the dark web to trade some money for Bitcoin. Well, what's funny is uh, if you look at, and I'll go back to this, as we were saying, Apple, Apple has this new privacy layer that they're introducing with the new uh, operating system for phones. Mm -hmm. And it works the same exact way that the dark web works. It's relays. It's like mirrors. And ultimately, I send a signal to that place, and then it just bounces. And it's impossible to tell where it came from. And when they announced it, I, I was sitting, I was in a meeting just laughing because I said, you, you <laughs> literally are trying to patent the dark web. This is hysterical. Like right. that's, this is, there is no bounds anymore to you know, your, your, you know, how bold you're going to be with this. So wow. you're going to, you're going to patent tour. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I made a conscious effort to not look at what, cause I sold six months after I bought. So it was April, 2012. And at that time there was a lot of talk of the, the department of justice was going to crack down and they were going to find anyone who was holding. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> and I, uh, I sold, I think it was, Seventeen, eighteen dollars. I don't know. I I think I dislocated my shoulder from patting myself on the back for being right. so smart with an eighty percent return. And then <laughs> I look back and and immediately I just I go on suicide watch. Oh, at least you actually were able to sell it though. How many stories do you hear of people who forget the password to their wallets and you're right? <laughs> they got like millions of dollars locked into a hard drive they can't access, and they get ten chances to try to guess the password. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's um. Well, I mean, we're we're also talking. We're not talking huge sums of money in in twenty in twenty twelve. <laughs> uh, but uh, there were quite a few bitcoins. So I, I wish I held on to some. I wish I had the the, the guts. Yeah, <laughs> to challenge the government. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So you mentioned that yeah. the, the a lot of these uh, coins that are out there, it's almost like you're buying shares in their company. Can you kind of elaborate a little more on that? Like, yeah, it's a and it's a sticky it's a sticky situation because there's a big lawsuit going on right now between uh, the SEC and this tech company called Ripple. Mm-hmm. Little little known fact that people don't realize is that XRP, which is called Ripple, is actually it's was created and controlled by just a financial tech company based out of you know silicon valley oh that's what xrp is yeah yeah i thought it was like a retail fund <laughs> it could be it could be also um but yeah i mean this is going back to your question you know there are if you're creating a a company and you need funds in order to grow there's generally you know a, a single path that most companies will follow they will mm-hmm. try to raise friends and family money then they go up and they try to find another layer of investors who are a little bit more you know, willing to take on risk, but take a, a, a chunk of your company and equity. And then you go to the real vultures, the venture capitalists who, mm. you know, uh, about this time right now, they're sitting up in their coffins, smelling the air, worrying <laughs> what company they're just going to savage. Uh, and they take 30, 40% of your business. And it's, it's it's one where you you kind of need them and they know you they need you but they they take a very large chunk of your your blood sweat and tears 
sounds like Shark Tank. <laughs> it is. It's it is, and it's it's you know these are these are companies that ultimately though uh, could be dream makers or dream crushers because they mm-hmm. can also hear your idea and then all of a sudden magically go tell one of their portfolio companies, hey, did you think about this? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but ultimately, this is where this idea of there could be an alternative to that. What if you didn't have to, you know, go to a single person and say, I need your network, I need your finances in order to get this out to potential customers. What if I could just use, you know, a, a new type of model where I take equity and use that as a marketing tool? So instead of, you know, trying to spend a million dollars doing all my filings, going through you know different different state registries. If I go to a marketplace and say I'm going to give up ten percent of my business mm-hmm. to you know a uh, thousand people who will be brand ambassadors and help sell the business and help you know promote us. Ultimately, what happens is that those thousand people now as equity holders and and sort of skin in the game. They go and they distribute. We're talking about sort of an Herbalife kind of scenario here. Mm-hmm. Just joking, obviously. That's not a <laughs> okay. pyramid scheme, but, <laughs> but this is, you know, the, you have a scenario where uh, shareholders are ultimately, you know, vocal brand ambassadors. And yeah. it's a unique scenario because you go on social media and these are rabid communities. Right. God, I mean, these are groups that, you know, they would die by the sword for for these cryptocurrencies because they they put you know a lot of their time and and sort of capital into them and and ultimately what happens is that they fund these these new businesses that uh can then keep more equity to then use for other financing and marketing and and growth purposes so it's a, it's just a different type of fundraising that connects shareholders and you know, company executives together a little bit more closely. And it's, it's one that I think has sparked a lot of innovation from companies who, who may not have the, the resources to uh, go down the traditional path. Is that why we're seeing companies like GameStop and even Amazon now, I think reported last episode, uh, hiring blockchain and crypto experts? This is, I just made a YouTube video on this. Uh, oh, okay. We'll need to put the link to the description on that. Oh, exactly. It's, uh, there is, I just finished filming it this afternoon. So there is a whole new ecosystem that is exploding right now. And it's one in cryptocurrency that is, I could say, independent on whatever the market is, is currently at. So if you look at, you know, to this point, the last year, year and a half, the biggest area in cryptocurrency outside of Bitcoin and Ethereum has been these, you know, what they call decentralized finance. So these mm-hmm. pseudo financial platforms that you can either borrow, lend, mm-hmm. there's a whole bevy of use, use cases. But ultimately, they're highly correlated to, you know, the stock market, which is ironic because they're supposed to be decentralized. So right. when the market goes down, or Jerome Powell has a shitty day, they <laughs> tank, they just tank and it, they get, it's obliterated. But you look at something like gaming now, and all of a sudden, you find a way to use blockchain to help draw in new types of gamers with the whole lure of you play to earn. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a unique concept because, you know, the idea of, you know, earning rewards and, and getting collectibles is not new. You had that with World of Warcraft, you had that with Counter-Strike, etc. But they were companies behind those games. And, and those companies governed everything, A through Z. Now you have these new ecosystems where, you know, you can't have a single organization who steps in and says, well, we're not going to allow, you know, these types of collectibles because we're not getting a cut from them, which is a la Apple. But uh, you now have a scenario where people are, you know, going home, whether the market is up or down, and they're playing games. And they're finding ways now where, you know, they're spending their money, especially with more people, you know, spending that time at home on goods and services in these games. And it's a little depressing to say that, um, but it's also unique because if you see, you know, just in the month of July, the biggest games and, well, excuse me, the biggest returns are coming from these cryptocurrencies. You have Mm -hmm. something called AXS, which is Axie Infinity, which is a game that uh, Mark Cuban has invested in. You have something that is wild called Zed Run. Mm-hmm. I'm going to blow your fucking mind right now with this one. <laughs> um, this is a game on blockchain that the number one sort of breeder, because it's a game all about breeding and racing horses, is Wilson Chandler. And all these big NBA stars are starting to now breed horses, digital horses, in this what? game. It's wild. Oh, that sounds what? awesome. And... <laughs> I, I told you. Did I not under? I want to play this. I didn't undersell that. If it's good enough for Wilson Chandler, it is good enough for me, and that's my life motto. Um, <laughs> you have these these sort of these virtual sort of lives that people are now creating, and ultimately, there's real money being traded. I think the latest uh, the latest number that I, that I heard was there was something like hundred million dollars that was flowing through some of these top games on you know a monthly basis which is crazy nba top shots which mm-hmm. is just digital collectible cards digital trading cards i think cleared half a billion dollars in uh in the last six months huh. which is is this is just it's a it takes a lot of the habits that we've had you know going back decades wanting to play games sit down you know on the couch you know with friends and family you know collect things whether it's a trading card a pokemon whatever it is and ultimately try to you know, make a little money, try to get a little edge. Now you digitize that, you open the doors where there's no intermediary saying, you know, here are the rules, you need to abide by you know, certain uh, ways that you could sell and buy, and we need to make a certain percentage if you're, you know, you're actually doing the selling. Mm-hmm. And you just open it up, and it's absolutely exploded. So uh, for any of your listeners, something that you, you know, might want to, pay attention to or look at or, you know, some of these new gaming ecosystems that are, are going blockchain. Uh, Mana is one of those, isn't it? Decentraland? You, you bet it is, yep. And there's okay. another one called Sand, which is uh, very similar. Uh, very similar concept where you actually uh, will sell your virtual land for this native currency. So, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I really want to breed a horse. I can't wait to get off this call now and check that out. <laughs> Zed run. I'll, I'll, I'll try not to make it the interview suffer. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll see you there. <laughs> when I was talking to yeah. you when we were setting up this, we talked a little bit about uh, Powell's comments on on the 
I think he was suggesting that there be no need for Bitcoin if the federal dollar was digital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, is he just out of the loop or does he have a point there? Because it seemed to me like the whole point of Bitcoin was to not be tied to you know any country's you know, currency or yeah. Yeah, and and you don't have to look much further than gold. You know, if you mm-hmm. if you want to draw a parallel to Bitcoin and sort of you know see what an equivalent would be, it's it's basically a digital version of gold. What I mean by that is there's a limited supply of this one asset that has fluctuating demand. Mm-hmm. Now, whether I'm talking about gold, where you can extract from the from the land, or I talk about Bitcoin. You are looking at something that, uh, you know, not a single government in the world issues as legal tender and ultimately doesn't control, I mean, not directly, the distribution and supply of it. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately sort of the basis of Bitcoin and, and also describing gold as well. Coincidentally, uh, for decades, they were both hated by Warren Buffett, which is fun. Uh, <laughs> until Warren Buffett ironically bought the second world's world's second largest gold miner about a year ago. Fun fact. Really? Old Uncle Warren. Uh, funny. He's huh. Funny how when you can make a lot of money, uh, your yep. Yep. decades old <laughs> opinions change pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to you know, the US you know, digital dollar, this is one where it, it makes sense in, from a logistics standpoint, from a cost perspective, because you know, it costs quite a bit of money to produce all of these, you know, these dollar bills and these, these coins mm-hmm. on top of the fact that, you know, uh, you could see that there's a growing trend for people, especially after COVID, not wanting to handle money that was sitting in someone else's, you know, clammy palms or pockets. Uh, most likely they, snorting they were, cocaine with it. Oh yeah. Money is filthy. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the problem with Bitcoin is you can't do that. Damn it. You can't roll up a Bitcoin. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> and there goes my company. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so I can't make it rain on a stripper using Bitcoin? We, um, we got to well, do something about that. You can't. Well, you can, you can get those cold wallets and throw it. Um, <laughs> but Just raining hard in here. <laughs> yeah, that would be a fun one to visit that's in Atlanta. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> just take a stack of SD cards and start sp- slipping them on the stage. Please film that, Dan. Yeah, this USB drive, baby. Yeah, you like that cold wallet you know when you get home. You just converted me away from the US do- digital dollar. I um, <laughs> print these goddamn things forever. They're fun. <laughs> they really are, man. I miss collecting coins if they're gone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and you know, I, I think it's one that we're we're going down that path. I think mm. we're going to eventually see some form of a digital dollar, especially as these financial institutions are moving more down, you know, the automated blockchain route. We're going to need some type of uh, of currency that's a common denominator. Otherwise, you have a scenario where you know, J.P. Morgan right now has their own stablecoin, their own cryptocurrency. You have a few other banks who are in the process of launching theirs. Mm-hmm. That's silly. Every bank having its own currency is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, how many cryptocurrencies are out there now? I mean, there's hundreds, yeah. if not thousands. Oh, yeah. Thousands. There, yeah, there are. Uh, 
just like you know, there's a lot of different companies in, in different sectors, but there's really you know only a few different stock exchanges. There's only a few different uh, marketplaces, and financial institutions play that role of a marketplace. And mm-hmm. if the marketplace is its own currency and can't interact with other marketplaces, then that you don't get a network effect there. You do, you don't get sort of the 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 real value. So you're seeing other countries. Unfortunately, U.S. is slightly lagging in this area, but they are coming forward with uh, their form of virtual currency, uh, whether that's out of necessity or, or just sort of innovation. But yeah, I, I think it's inevitable, but I don't see it taking uh, the place of Bitcoin, just like you know the U.S. dollar doesn't take place of gold. Speaking of the South American countries adopting, uh, how's that? Like, what is the process behind that? Like, how do you make the Bitcoin like your national currency? Well, you have a really shitty economy and you <laughs> look for a Hail Mary. Uh, <laughs> uh, so what's interesting, though, about it is, one, it, I mean, look, it's, it sparked a lot of conversation about, you know, potentially foreign investment going to that, uh, that country. There are mm-hmm. only, you know, a handful of countries in the world where if you're going to set up a crypto business, uh, especially one where money is being passed around, that you could really, with confidence, set yourself up and not face a pretty hard regulation. You have wonderful countries like Malta and Seychelles, countries I'm sure everyone has been to. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Georgia is another great one. Mm-hmm. And you know, <laughs> these are countries that investors, especially in, in the U.S., don't want to move their money that far. And, and ultimately, to, to be able to almost reach out and, and touch you know, these banks, these institutions that are going to hold those cryptocurrencies is alluring. But what's interesting, why, why I bring this up is, uh, if you read further on their plan for legal tender, mm-hmm. it comes with the idea that they're also going to participate in Bitcoin mining. Uh-huh. Now, with Bitcoin mining, you need access to cheap you need cheap energy. And the way that they're doing it is tap into volcanoes. It's like a James villain bond. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to tap into a volcano to run our crypto mining. Uh, it's kind of wild. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I can't wait to see how that's going to work out. Um, I don't think it's going to. <laughs> I, I have my doubts as well. Or it could be, you know, a scenario where, you know, look at Argentina, where the country has been subsidizing electricity. Mm-hmm. So you have citizens saying, well, hell, if it's free electricity, let's just Bitcoin mine. Right. And they're, they are consuming more energy in, in certain pockets of Argentina than entire countries in South America. It's absolutely asinine what is huh. happening, you know, and, and sort of opportunistic ways of, of generating income in this, in, in this world. So. It'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I think El Salvador is certainly kicking off uh, interest from other countries, Paraguay, Mexico, Brazil. Uh, I would imagine you're going to see other countries. South, South Africa has shown a lot of interest. But the, the fact is, is that I, I don't see Bitcoin being or replacing legal tender in any you know, significant capacity anytime soon. I mean, I think, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Mark Cuban decided to start paying his his uh, basketball players with the 
was it Bitcoin or was it Dogecoin? Uh, I think I think it was yeah Dogecoin because he was he is and I, I give him credit he I mean, he's very active he he's a very large investor in the crypto world mm-hmm. uh, it, especially in in emerging tech companies and I know he's he's been very outspoken about Doge everyone wants to ask him about it and I think he was jokingly talking about you know paying the NBA players in Doge and it just happened that. Around that time, Doge went through the roof, and he retracted. He's like, "I'm not paying anyone to Doge. I'm not doing right. that." I thought he actually was setting up to do that. Uh, I don't think it was Doge, but it might have been. Um, yeah, it might have been the other one, uh, Bitcoin or one of the or Ethereum. But how pissed would you be if your paycheck is the potential to drop, you know, thirty percent overnight before you can even cash <laughs> your check? <laughs> oh my God, it's terrifying, you know, and it's it's a scenario where. This is where you need these, you know, stable cryptocurrencies to be able to hold that value for you. Uh, sorry, it's my two-year-old in the background. I apologize. Okay. I thought Dad this had is- a kid when we weren't looking. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. This is yeah. This is a scenario where can you imagine owning a business and your crypto, your currencies, your cash reserves? Okay, go down soon. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, her on. <laughs> right is she, now now is she does she have her own cold wallet i'd like to talk to her about her investments <laughs> exactly <laughs> all, it's all it's all the meme coins, all uh, meme coins. <laughs> i want princess so, coin more princess coin ah uh, i need elsa give yeah. me more frozen there's got to be uh, an elsa coin right <laughs> you know what if not it sounds like we just came up with a new business idea. There we go. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> but I would be pissed if, if I was paid in cryptocurrency and I lost 30% overnight. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's everyone's fear. That's the reason I think cryptocurrency in general has been slow to adoption is the volatility. But mm-hmm. there's been new solutions that have come out that have really reduced that to a point where the rate of inflation is a fraction of, of what it is with the U S dollar just right. even in the last year. So uh, there's, there's some new alternatives now that have sort of quelled that, that issue that's existed in the past. All right. Yeah. So- <laughs> I'm sorry. I just did the best. I had a two year old who was just losing his mind. Yeah. And he was just, all right. I think that's the first. I mean, we've had chickens on the show, but never, uh, never a two-year-old, never a baby, <laughs> no, never a child. He didn't yell at her, though. I think one of our other, I think that was another guest. Oh, he, <laughs> that was, yeah, not yelling at a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. There's there's an attic, and we just put the child in the attic. Oh, there you there, go. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a basement. You got a view. Yeah. <laughs> So Ed, uh, uh, <laughs> I have I have a friend who's an immigrant from uh, from India, and I know that their family in India has some money. I mean, I don't know how much, but they've got some money that they don't move over to the states because of the the, the taxes. What do they call it? Excisement. Do people mm-hmm. use cryptocurrency? to move money uh, it, like they used to on the dark web and how can I do that easily? <laughs> I mean, how I would someone do it easily? <laughs> oh, what are, the, what are the current limitations on entrapment here? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I 
Are you a cop? You have to tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do I have to tell you if I'm a cop? Shit, I don't know the rules of the game. It's <laughs> such a. Uh, I've heard. I've heard that people move money offshore and onshore using different third-party wallets, and there are okay. different platforms that you could extract your money without many people knowing that it came, where the source came from. Right. But it it it, re- it requires some extra trickery where you, you, there would be no way if somebody looked at it they would say well you were definitely doing it to hide where this money came from. You you'd be um, there's about 5 minutes of work. 5 okay. minutes of, of time that's needed to <laughs> okay. invest it to learn how to do this. Uh, it's <laughs> that's a problem that it's it's really it's it's easy uh but the risk if you get nailed is yeah it's really stiff yeah 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 they're gonna take the whole pie yeah they're they're gonna <laughs> and that what's interesting is in, was it two years ago the irs is is, is a tricky tricky org they uh <laughs> they put on page one of everyone's uh 1040 their their tax filing a question do you own or trade digital assets or virtual currencies? Yes or no? And that was it. Didn't ask any more questions beyond that. Hmm. And ultimately, the following year, they then asked that same question. But deep back in one of the schedules, it starts asking you, you know, the value of the cryptocurrencies, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And you think, you know, obviously they're they're looking at people who clearly own cryptocurrency because the challenge is that you could trade and sort of hide it and flip around and do whatever you got to do but mm-hmm. you got to get the money back into a bank somehow right yeah and all of those gateways report just like a normal bank coinbase gemini kraken they they report large deposits to the irs mm. so a lot of these people playing with fire who lied in 2019 who again didn't disclose in 2020? You're starting to see, you know, that IRS going from you know educator to say, hey, just so you know, this is taxable to an enforcer, mm-hmm. and it's the same exact playbook that they did in you know 2010 with people with offshore bank accounts. They did like a nice little, do you own an offshore bank account? Mm-hmm. The following year, same question. The next year, all of a sudden, you know, Tanner and Hudson and Biffy all went to jail, all went to the Met, you know, the Club Med jail, but they went to jail. Yeah, uh, they take they take every they take houses, they take cars, uh, and seeing you know some of the companies that they're hiring as consultants, they are looking at cryptocurrency as that way of helping fill some of the deficits, especially with inflated spending that we've had here in the US. Um, oh, yeah. This is under a microscope. So it, it's certainly not an area that uh, I would play with, nor will I admit to playing with on your podcast. Oh, right, right. <laughs> no, it's, it's a fun question, that's all. As, as someone who someone runs a business in the crypto world, uh, I'm certainly <laughs> not, <laughs> not going to implicate myself, but uh, yeah. I appreciate you. I appreciate you answering the question at all. I honestly I, yeah, thought I you would just laugh it off and be like, nope, let's not talk <laughs> about that. I love that we're talking about it. And if you listen to the disclaimer on the show, like this is all, we're just an entertainment show. Like, yeah. 
like we said, rated R entertainment show. I want to hear if somebody could move money around with crypto. Like people are talking about it. Like you're just honest enough to answer and say, well, yeah, you could do it and look at how they're enforcing it. And the fact they beefed up their securities, it's, it's public knowledge that it's happening. I have an idea. What's that? We are going to open up an Atlanta strip club where people throw USB drives, cold wallets onto stage, and then we're going to wash it. And that's yes. fantastic. Boom. You'll <laughs> Boom. never know where it came from. And then yeah. our cut will just be the value of the USB drives. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're selling the drives. Because yeah. we can't get the cryptocurrency off it. We'd probably make a lot of money off of that. <laughs> yes. Well, let's talk about China real quick. Because... Uh, China just recently like banned like all their miners and mining activities, right? Because I think we're seeing like a lot of them start to relocate. To, uh, I think Miami was one of the cities trying to to lure these displaced yeah. miners. I think other countries may be trying to 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 lure them in too. But the effects that that has on the industry as a whole, uh, like, are we still seeing those effects? Is that going to get worse before it gets better? Yeah, I think it's a it's a great thing, truthfully, uh, and it's. By the way, it, it, this is not an act that is you know, foreign to China. If mm-hmm, you go right. back you know, every year, year and a half, China comes forward with some type of limitation or restriction. And when I say that, you have to think about what the issue at heart really is when it comes to crypto and blockchain, which is you are democratizing information. That is a problem if you're running a communist country and trying mm-hmm. to limit information about your regime. Mm-hmm. You can't, if you can't censor information across the blockchain in your country, that could pose you know, some serious issues. So they, they've been cracking down on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we saw, one of the first waves was they kicked all the crypto exchanges out. Mm-hmm. So you saw you know, crypto exchanges like Binance have to leave China, relocate to well, this is an open-ended question because they keep, you know, new countries keep coming out and claim that they're not registered in their country. Mm-hmm. So they're supposedly registered in the Cayman, but they're not. Um, you have <laughs> Wobi, you have, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. Um, but you saw that the solution at first was kick the exchanges out. Then they said, well, we're going we're gonna to kick out the miners because we think, you know, Bitcoin mining is really at the heart of the issue. The fact is that Bitcoin, the dominance, the percent that it accounts for now in the overall market is quickly declining. So you are kicking out miners in a currency that is taking a smaller and smaller role in the overall crypto industry. Right. It, uh, odds are, you know, we are, well, we are two weeks away from a major upgrade to Ethereum where Ethereum very well could blow past Bitcoin pretty hmm. quickly in terms of being the largest, at which point there is no mining in this new upgrade. So the idea of mining, while I think it's a boon for U.S. companies who can now take on all that extra demand, the, the idea that mining is going to be a long-term activity, I think, is... is is very short-sighted. I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's really bad for the environment and it's super slow. It's like, you know, having a fight that we're going to kick out all the floppy A disc manufacturers from this country <laughs> while across the, across the ocean, they're, you know, they have CD-ROM. Yeah. Like, yeah. How old is that? You like those references? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. 
Wait, was it a five and a three? Or, yeah, five and three quarter or, or, or a three and a half? Three and a half. What you got uh, on that floppy bit? You got two megabytes? <laughs> or yeah. 512 KB? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so apparently not that big of a deal. Uh, it's it's not. And then the thing <laughs> is, yeah, I, I, I can foresee, you know, it'll be a, a very, you know, it'll be a boost to a lot of US based, Canadian based. El Salvador, because obviously they're now the hub of crypto. Um, <laughs> good for those, you know, those economies, those companies. But you know, there's a move towards you know a, a different type of operating model, uh, one that is a little bit less energy uh, exhaustive. So, right. So, yeah, you mentioned the upgrading to Ethereum in a few weeks. What I'm I'm not in tune with anything crypto. So please ex- elaborate on that. Yes. Yeah, so we think about you know Ethereum. Easiest way to explain that is similar to how Apple created the App Store, where all these developers could make their own apps, whether you're a business, a government agency, or just making your own you know health app. You had the the framework to to build everything on, and that's ultimately what Ethereum did. You know, they built a foundation that leverages all the benefits of blockchain. The mm-hmm. whole decentralized benefit, security benefit, the accountability and auditing, which really came into play with NFTs, and ultimately gave the keys to the kingdom to developers to come in and build everything and anything that they wanted. And that's where you saw, you know, these institutions, these entrepreneurs build out, you know, this decentralized finance world to help sort of disrupt and and sort of evolve financial institutions, you're seeing that with gaming, you're seeing that with music. And ultimately, though, the issue at hand was that Ethereum never changed the way that it, you know, it operated. It works the same way today as Bitcoin, where mm. any type of activity that occurs has to happen in sequential order, and it's very slow. And there's only a few different actions that could be added to the blockchain at any given second. Compared to, you know, something like Visa, which could be you know in the thousands, or there's other platforms like, you know, databases, which is the hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. So it it had a, a scale problem. You can't. It, it hits an upper limit, and at which point then it becomes expensive because those people who add those actions to the blockchain could charge whatever they wanted. So it became you know a, a problem because it costs two hundred dollars to move twenty. To a friend or family, right? And, that, and people are like, "This is the future of finance, guys." Um, <laughs> but now, all of a sudden, you know, with this new upgrade, it moves to a, a new type of operating model where you're not mining; you're you're using a a, a method called staking. Which think of, you know, imagine a spark plug in your in your car, mm-hmm. and ultimately to activate that spark plug, you needed uh, a certain amount of fuel or you needed electricity to, to get it going. That electricity in blockchain is you are going to move a certain amount of money to this piece of software and then it ignites. Mm-hmm. Similar type of, of scenario. And then that will then automate and do all of that work that miners typically would have done. It cuts down the cost. It reduces ultimately the, the carbon footprint because we're all about tree hugging. And of course, <laughs> the most important is uh, which I think people on the, your podcast will be excited is that every action that 
well, every transaction that happens. So anytime you buy that new pony in Zed Run, anytime Zed Run, you Zed Run, I'm writing that down. Yeah, anytime you buy an NFT, anytime you you know uh, you purchase something on Ethereum, a piece of that that transaction, so a, a small fraction of that amount of money, ultimately is then removed out of circulation, which means you have a declining supply, which mm-hmm. I think is going to set this, this market on fire because people get excited about Bitcoin. There's only 22 million Bitcoin, which right. by the way is, is not true, but let's go with that. 22 million. And you know, there's a hard cap. There'll never be more. Well, if I told you that there's only good, there's going to be less tomorrow than there is today, and then the following day, less than, than tomorrow. All of a sudden, this scarcity creates, you know, this this demand, this buying pressure, and ultimately, we're seeing mm-hmm. right now we're in the early innings of you know this new sort of resurgence, this ignited enthusiasm around it. So keep a close eye. It's around twenty three hundred dollars today. There's a number of factors that I think will play in the next five months where we could certainly see you know that twelve to fifteen thousand for a single Ethereum. Wow. Now, how how's that going to hold up against like a real heavy hitter like Hamster Coin? Because I have a friend who <laughs> tweets about Hamster Coin a lot. Yeah, that's the biggest threat to to Ethereum. You know what it is. Um, <laughs> it's also hard to explain to a doctor. Um, so anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's there's nothing more to say than that. Well, no, I, I, I do have a serious question that, that, that uh, I think Hamstercoin and even uh, Dogecoin uh, uh, really bring to light. And that is, it, does it matter if you're limiting the amount of coins created if you're not limiting the, the amount of different coins created? So <clears throat> it all comes down to all of any coin that you talk about, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Hamstercoin. It holds as much value as the public is willing to associate to it. Right. Just like art. Just like art. At the end of the day, this is it's digital money. And if tomorrow the world turned its back, none of this would be worth anything. So, you know, I, I love and I'm in this camp, people who trash, you know, Dogecoin and hamster coin, but then tomorrow go on these marketplaces called sushi swap. Right. And think nothing of it. We're all full of right. shit. <laughs> um, just get over yourself. Like, get over yourself. Right. Well, I, what Dan was referred to though was Jack Dorsey in that recent conference saying that hamster coin was the the bigger threat to Bitcoin than Ethereum. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't. I think uh, Jack Dorsey may some of that that beard oil he's using may have gone to his brain. Right. Uh, I don't know what he's thinking. Uh, I, you don't agree, then? I don't no, agree. You do not agree. <laughs> but, you know, if Twitter tomorrow decides that all transactions will be paid and settled in hamster coin, uh, yeah, yeah. Right? I can see maybe a, a small case. I don't see it hitting a trillion dollars, which is where Bitcoin is around right now. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, here's one of the things I've always liked about Ethereum, and you touched on it a bit when you talked about giving the keys to the developers and it's basically like the platform that everything else is built on uh whereas like with bitcoin uh you know all the work done to create it is just 
busy work. Like I like to see something with a thing that I want to invest in that has like some kind of positive use case. Whereas with Ethereum, you have that. I don't necessarily think you do with Bitcoin. Yeah, it, it's not much different than if we were to look at the traditional market. Mm-hmm. If, you know, if I said, you know, most people, where do you want to invest? A lot of people will say, well, I want to put my money in the stock market because they're building things. There's utility there. You know, there's value that's being ultimately produced. Right. But Earnings. I'll put, yeah, I'll, I'll put a little bit of money also in, you know, in commodities, in precious metals. The fact is, though, that, you know, when it comes to Ethereum uh, and, you know, more so the projects that are built on it, the allure of buying these tokens on Ethereum is that by buying that token, you are just like when you buy a share of stock, you are buying the right to share in future profits, you know, utility, access, etc. So mm-hmm. it gives you, you know, an equity stake in, in these businesses more, more so than I'm going to put my money in this one thing that really gets its value from just being limited. Right. To me, that right. doesn't really do much. Yeah, it's like, I mean, you might as well buy Beanie Babies then. Maybe. Or, you know what? <laughs> or tokenized baby, Beanie Babies. You can have best of both worlds. I think they're there working on that, actually. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think what Ed's describing, if you remember that guy, Nick Proughton from the Load mm-hmm. Project, they they had built the, uh, a cryptocurrency and a business that was used. They have their own currency that's tracking silver and gold by making silver and gold purchases with the investments of people who buy the coins directly from them. And then they had their Synthetics. other coin that's a piece of the actual, like you had the load tokens themselves too, right? Right. That gave you X amount of crypto. Like the equity share that he was saying. Yeah. 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 Synthetics. It's a fun. It's a stick. It, that's a very sticky, sticky in, uh, situation. One that uh, the SEC, Gary Gensler, who's the chairman, yeah. who coincidentally inherited this lawsuit against Ripple. Uh, before, though, he was chairman. He used to be a computer science professor at MIT. Mm-hmm. So talk about getting your guy in, in the right <laughs> position. This is one where he sort of was, he put the crypto world in check where he said, while we figure out what, you know, what digital asset, what virtual currencies could be deemed securities? Mm-hmm. Why don't you guys gotta calm down with the synthetics and try and stop trying to pass that off as not a security? If I own Apple stock, or I own a virtual Apple stock, but it's pegged to actual shares, you own Apple right. stock. You, yeah. you own a security. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember he was saying specifically it's classified as a bond. So it's like buying a bond in the company gives you certain amount of crypto like they'll pay you the interest in the crypto coins it it seemed it seemed uh, confusing and so, so that defines that is the definition of uh security uh, yeah. It, yeah. security is i'm going to invest in a company that is managed by someone else with the idea and intent to earn a profit so yeah. i'm not going to do the work but i'm going to profit on someone else's effort that is an investment contract or security. That's yeah. ultimately sort of the, the thing that's at stake right now. And right now there's a pretty monumental case going on between Ripple and the SEC. And it's absolutely entertaining because the SEC is just getting mauled in the courts right now. Really? Absolutely mauled. They are claiming that the current CEO of Ripple and the former CEO knowingly made a uh, an a public offering of XRP, knowing that it was a security. And ultimately, 
those two, the two defendants really took their gloves off and said, okay, we're going to hire, we're going to uh, depose two former commissioners within SEC who have now come out and talked about that the SEC intentionally have run unclear and vague guidelines in order to capitalize on lawsuits like this. And ultimately, it's gotten really bad. And more so, the court is now making the SEC give up internal memos that are supposedly really, really damning at the moment. So it's it's uh, yeah, it's one where it's not good, uh, at least from the (laughs) SEC standpoint. But I think because it it makes it makes House of Cards look like a Disney movie a little bit. Uh, (laughs) Some of the stuff that's coming out. But uh, at the end of the day, what it will create is it'll push everything to go under one guideline. It'll clear things up. And ultimately, before any big institution or before people really sort of jump in with both feet, they have to know that there's some type of regulation. It's not the Wild West. Yeah. All right. Do you have any more questions, Dan? Or should we start? uh, Should we? move towards wrapping things up no uh i think i think we should wrap things up uh, i asked my big question and i actually got an answer so i am the happiest host <laughs> yeah. in the world <laughs> maybe i'll fly and tell you exactly how to do it oh no no he's asking for a friend <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah right friend in india <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> i actually assure you i have zero money offshore that i need to move around it does not exist <laughs> all right i think i have 10 here okay uh i really enjoyed the game we played with our last crypto expert which was uh it was almost like what do you call that the hundred thousand pyramid game oh yeah yeah or i'm gonna give dan a list of cryptos and then uh ed is gonna try to guess them when dan gives clues without saying the word okay uh yeah yeah i'm not yeah, allowed I'm gonna... to say what yeah okay yeah, I'm not allowed to say. You can't say the actual word. Yeah. The actual word. But I guess I have to try and guess the, what cryptocurrency you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God. Oh, here okay. we go. All right. All right. So I'm going to give you a, we'll see just how many we can get through in, say, like two minutes. Okay. Let's I'm ready. All right. I'm ready. All right. I'm looking at Discord. Ready? All right. Here's your first one. Uh, not Fahrenheit, but Celsius. Nice. I got to get these going faster. Uh, uh, if something was tiny and really small, I would say maybe I have a tiny little blank of this. It's also in the Greek alphabet. Uh, theta or nano? No. Uh, this is... You can, you can yeah. pass. Pass. All right. Um, I, God. So, like, if I was <laughs> attaching something to something else, or I was playing a schoolyard sport with a pole and a ball attached to a rope that I'm swatting. Tether. Yes. And the nice. other one, I'm going to go back. Okay. I- yep. Iota. Oh! Yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay. So Very if nice. I was going to have a balloon full of a gas that I breathed in to make Billion. my voice hot. Mm. Uh, uh, ben Affleck was the bomb in... Oh, that's a... <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it was a ghost, maybe it's it's not a ghost or a spirit, but a... Mm, um, they say sometimes Batman is the blank menace. Menace. Uh, pass. I, okay. I don't know. Uh, uh, it's a brand of razor. It's a planet uh, in the sky. Yes. There we go. <laughs> uh, if I was on Tinder I, and I was making a decision, I would this left or right? Swipe. Uh, a 
beautiful flower uh, that's uh, the famous. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes uh, sharks swim around the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, come on. Or ocean? Or ocean? <laughs> no. No, Reef is right. Rhymes yeah. with hypnosis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't think you're gonna get that one. That was uh, but that was pretty good. I think we got through eight of the ten. What was the the uh, Dark Knight one? Phantom. Phantom. There it is. That's like I figured that would be easier if you just would have went blank of the opera. Uh, <laughs> oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> That's so much easier to judge on this end. Uh, uh, the last, the last one there was Gnosis. Gnosis. G N O S I S. Yeah, it's a wallet. How'd I do? I think I did okay. <laughs> yeah, eight of ten. You did really good. Really good. <laughs> that rapid, blew through rapid, a few of those. Boom, boom. <laughs> Yeah, you, you know your crypto coins. <laughs> then maybe we should end with a little bit of uh, what uh, Dechained is, where they can find you. Yeah. So Dechained, as I mentioned before, it just it's an education platform that really is built to help people learn and also invest well and confidently in, in the crypto space, whether you're just looking to figure out how to get started or you just simply don't have time for that and just want to know what to buy. We sort of serve everything in between. And, and to come over to check us out, we have a new promotion that we're running called Summer Gains, summergains.com. And of course, you can come check us out at dchained, D-C-H-A-I-N-E-D.com. So summergains.com. Or dchain.com. We'll put links to those in the description. What was the last one? Summer games? Summer summer gains. Gains. People gain muscle and I'm gaining a belly this summer. So summer gains. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Got that too. <laughs> All right. Well, thank Dan, you. you want to take us home? Yeah. Th- thanks so much for joining us, uh, Ed. It's been so great having you. I truly mean that. This has been a good time, a real pleasure. I appreciate you having me and also, uh, the appearance of my two-year-old. So thanks for having him as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We'll need to get a, a release form from the two-year-old to get those Good, noises right. on, the, on the air. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I hope you're leaving them because I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, his portfolio is not doing so well, so that's why he got high pitched. That's why he was crying, uh, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Dad, I need to sell. Sell, sell, sell. Thanks so much for sticking around, folks. We hope you learned a thing or two about some crypto today. Uh, if you want to learn some more, check out those links from Dechained and Summer Gains in the episode description. And uh, we'll be back at you soon, opening up the shop. But until then, we got to shut it down. And uh, we'll see you later. Happy trades. Bye, folks. Thanks, guys. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.